13 years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The Buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. All right, welcome back to Insight Flicks. We're going to do a second chance review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. This is the 1986 film that uh, Raymond forced me to watch. <laughs> uh, I guess the, the story is that uh, I, I saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And you you urged me to watch the sequel. No, that's that's not exactly how it goes. What happened was we... See, what happened was you were watching the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Masterpiece classic, uh, because in preparation for the new Netflix uh, garbage oh, sequel. Right, right, right. And then I was like, yeah, they have, ne- they have never made a proper sequel to this movie, a good sequel, but this is probably the closest. Well, it has the same, too. the same filmmakers. You got uh, Toby hooper who's directing yeah this and, it, and it works and it works because they take it in a completely different direction from the first movie they don't try to remake that movie they they do something completely different with it uh when i started watching it i think the 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 sign that i was in for uh, a really bizarre time was the canon films logo Oh, I didn't. I was gonna say that. (laughs) I didn't realize. I was gonna bring that up. I I put that in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I I didn't realize this was produced by uh or distributed by Canon Films, and I go, well, that makes a lot of sense now because this is completely different than the original. This is a complete satire. This is kind of a bizarre movie. Uh, it is a weird experience. Um, I don't know if I like this movie, but um, there's things that I do kind of really think it's cool there's some cool elements to it but i i think if you were to watch the rest of the texas chains on massacre movies you'll have a how much higher appreciation for this movie <laughs> yeah i mean if you only know the original texas chainsaw massacre i think you might be <laughs> very disappointed with this one i mean i i, I understand that because like when this movie came out a lot of fans and a lot of critics didn't like this film. And I understand. Understandably so. Yeah, understandably yeah. so. And Well, I, I actually hated this movie when I first watched it because I saw like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time like on DVD when I was like around 11 years old. And then I, I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 a couple years later, also on DVD. I saw it at a Blockbuster. This is back when Blockbuster still existed. And uh, I remember picking it up and just being so, so extremely disappointed by the movie because it's just like it, it was like this stupid comedy. I could I didn't I couldn't never even imagined it was from the same director, but it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, massively disappointing movie. But over the years, it's grown on me and I, I've, I've learned to appreciate a lot of the humor in the film and performances. Well, I think, there, you know, the first half of the movie I really enjoyed. And then we got to that second half and where I, I go, all oh, this completely kind of falls apart. And then after hearing about the production issues that they, they went through, it really kind of made sense because that second part really felt like they yeah. were making a lot of things up. And I guess that was the case. And the second half drags. Yeah, it drags a lot. I mean, it's just only one location. 
But let's let's start with yeah. the kind of what what the movie begins with. The movie starts with uh, okay, yeah, yeah. The movie actually opens up with a uh, a different narrator, not the exact uh, narrator of the first film, but he's basically describing uh, the killings from the first film, uh, saying you know talking about the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and essentially saying that the the killings never stop. Texas lawmen mounted a month long manhunt but could not locate the macabre farmhouse. They could find no killers and no victims, no facts, no crime. Officially, on the records, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre never happened. But during the last 13 years, over and over again, reports of bizarre, grisly chainsaw mass murders have persisted all across the state of Texas. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has not stopped. It haunts Texas. It seems to have no end. And the, yeah, the very first thing we see right after that pretty awesome introduction, in my opinion, is the Canon Films logo, <laughs> which, like you said, really lets you in that you're in for a wild ride. And then we uh, basically like hear a bunch of like 80s kind of pop tunes being played, and we see uh, like I don't know, like two kind of yuppie rich boy uh, douchebags. <laughs> basically like I, the, the real life version of like ferris bueller and his friends like just like driving around like har- harassing us uh uh our lead stretch a dj radio dj yeah we'll see they're, and, they're, uh, dri- they're driving down i think they're going to dallas and they're shooting up uh roadside sign signs <laughs> for 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 no apparent reason i i for, initially i thought they were bank robbers but then it just they're, they're just <laughs> i go because i thought they were on the run or something but it just it just they're a bunch of douchebags or coked up uh, yuppies and they yeah they call into this local radio station to harass this female dj whose name is stretch and uh stretch is the real kind of protagonist of this movie red river rock and roll request line this is stretch yo stretch I raked the brick! <laughs> and from all the senior boys at Wheeler High, to all the senior girls who are so stuck up, oh, you're on the road to nowhere. Oh, you mean we're on the road to nowhere? No, baby! We're on the road to Texas, oh, you weak out of Dallas! <laughs> you're on the road to nowhere! Put the horse, baby! <laughs> Real funny, guys. Okay, you wanna hang up now? Tying up the line. Hey, come on. Yes. I thought I thought the yuppies were gonna be like, oh, oh, we're gonna follow the <laughs> yuppies, and because like, like I don't know, I didn't know anything about this movie. Uh, I mean, when I first watched uh, the original Chainsaw Massacre for the first time two or three weeks ago, I at least knew about that movie. I mean, I, I think I, the first time I saw that movie or or heard about that movie was in the comedy uh, uh, Summer School with with Mark Harmon. That's it's about summer school. He's a PE teacher who's stuck teaching a. Uh, class of losers and one of the losers was a big fan of the texas chainsaw massacre good lord what are you watching do the dance for me baby new film from the district safe use of power tools oh really american american yes it's it's an american masterpiece it's it's uh, talk about gutsy endings the girl. The girl gets away and our hero Leatherface, he chainsaws his own legs. Two thumbs up. Make that four for gore. And that's probably my first exposure of that movie. So, and, and over the years, I have seen clips of the original film in horror documentaries and so forth. But um, I, I had no clue what this movie was about. I may, Maybe I only knew, yeah, I knew that Dennis Hopper was part of it. Which is still very bizarre. <laughs> so when the yuppies showed up, I thought for sure that these were going to be the main stars or the main characters. And no, they're really kind of set up to, to introduce us to Stretch, 
And 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 also just to give us our, our you know our kind of iconic slasher first kill opening <laughs> kill right yeah we get uh, the yuppies get attacked by Leatherface in in a but he's but he shows up he shows up like pl- like doing a prank on them he's like yeah he's got a, a like a costume on and it's like a got a dead body he's dancing around yeah. with right it was weird it's completely ridiculous and he like yeah they're they're in the truck and they're chasing them and Leatherface has a, this a freaking big chainsaw that goes across the bow of the, the car and then it cuts the guy's head almost clean off you actually very impressive makeup tom savini is doing the makeup for this movie which is i, I think the makeup is actually pretty good yeah, it is. It's great um, throughout the whole film, and uh, the production design is actually really fantastic too. It's just there's not a lot of uh, sets. That's the that's one of the issues. But but all but all the sets that we do get are all fantastic. Like in the third act, that whole like underground layer and the like whole carnival thing mm-hmm. going on. It, it look it looks great. It's it's perfect for a horror movie. Yeah, it's just the 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 plot is very thin. That's the problem. The, because it really is it's just about this uh, DJ stretch, this girl. And most most of it, it's really either her or Dennis Hopper, who's playing lefty and right, who is a uh, a former Texas Ranger, and then we soon find out that he is the uncle of Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair in the original movie, who dies, and also Sally, who's the the final girl of the original movie. And what we learn in that narration is that she is now in a catatonic state. That's what we learn from the opening narration. So he is looking for. Essentially, he's looking for their, the, he's hunting them down. Lieutenant Enright, sir. We heard you might be headed this way. Uh, you come over for the big game? You know why I'm here. Yes, there's something about chainsaw killers, your brother's kids killed. But that was 14 years ago, sir, way down in South Texas. Now, these are other kids. This is just an accident. Just a couple of wild punks out raising hell. Yep. One of those boys so wild, sawed his own head off going 90 mile per hour. <laughs> hell. Hell's exactly what they raised. Uh, I don't know. What's your feelings about Dennis Hopper in this movie? Because I'm a little bit, uh, I'm scratching my head if he works. I don't know. Well, I mean, his whole storyline got cut out of the movie. So that's, that's one issue. <laughs> but I, I don't know if he works. Like, do you think it would work better if it was another actor? Like, like No, no. I think there's something, something about the character just feels very flimsy. And then he feels a little out of place when we see him. And, you know, we see him in, in uh, at one point, he's buying chainsaws at a local hardware store. And it just uh, feels so out of place. Like, <laughs> I love those scenes. <laughs> it's, it's so, yeah, it's hilarious because at one point he is, he buys like one like a massive chainsaw and he he lays down the money on the table walks out of the store and there there's a this uh, big tree trunk for him to test the chainsaw and then it cuts to his close-up while as he's uh turning the chainsaw on and then they go to the wide and it's clearly not him you know it's clearly some uh chainsaw specialist It was like really bad editing where you see the close up. It's a, you can see Dennis Hopper in the close up, and then you go to the wide, and it's clearly a stuntman. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, this is very, 
I just I don't know what's going on. Is this meant to be this corny? Maybe no, it is. No, that wasn't. That wasn't. I don't think that was. That was an accident. That was a mistake. But it happened many times in the movie. It happens at the end when he's like finally confronting a uh, Leatherface in this kind of chainsaw battle, and then they like fighting each other. And it's clearly when you get to the wide, you see this stuntman. You see this this guy in the same kind of. He's dressed like Dennis Hopper with the cowboy hat and in the in the, the same clothing. But it's clearly not him. I mean, it's, it's, I, no, I, mean, I don't know that, if this is a, meant to that be was not, That was not intentional. That was totally not intentional. Because, I, I mean, I see that in a lot of horror movies. Like, I, I, I think that's just a mistake. Yeah, it could be a budget thing. It could be like they're running out of time and they just can't really. It could be like Dennis Hopper's like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's clearly that they're not let, letting the actor handle a real chainsaw. That's the thing uh they don't want to risk hurting dennis hopper uh you know with this movie it's so strange because you know how did he got on on this movie like <laughs> i don't <wow>. know <laughs> but the thing is uh, the, the thing is though if you can get dennis hopper in your movie you're gonna put him in your movie because the killers are here kill sites have been clustered all over northeast texas the last two years the laws they shy away from piecing it together as murder. They call it accidents, disappearances. You got that last slaughter on tape, you play it on the radio. Maybe then the laws will stop trying to shut me up and start helping me. I wouldn't even be surprised if they were, if like, somehow Dennis Hopper was just a fan of the original movie. He always wanted to work with Toby Hooper on something. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he just wrote this role for him maybe you know like i don't know well, i wouldn't be surprised it, if he wrote the role for him well it makes it makes total sense to have dennis hopper it, you want him to play this type of character where he's a little unbalanced i guess the only the only connection i could find was that the the writer who wrote this movie his name is lm kit carson he also co-wrote uh paris texas uh previously before this great movie which is a acclaimed drama and he also co-directed the 1971 documentary the American Dreamer, which was about Dennis Hopper. And it's the documentary of, that kind of uh, solidified Dennis Hopper as this, as this ultimate counterculture artist. He's the anti-established filmmaker. So I'm sure that's the connection. Uh, Kit Carson must have been friends with Hopper, and he must have re read the script or told him about the project. And then maybe that's why they, they, he agreed to play this character. But it just, the, the character just feels so flimsy. And... <laughs> In this, in the same year this movie came out, it's the same year as uh, Hoosiers, which which Hopper got, wow. <laughs> which got an Oscar nomination. It's also the same year he did uh, Blue Velvet, which you know that wow. performance is like the most iconic performance. Yeah, that, he I mean, ever that's, did. that's that's my favorite of his movies. It's the only one I actually really still go back to. So when Dennis Hopper thinks of 1986, he thinks of three things: Hoosiers, <laughs> Blue Velvet. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Well, I mean, Dennis Copper does say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is the worst movie he's ever work on. Worked on. I strongly disagree with that. I mean, that he started in the Alpha and Omega as the Super Mario Bros. movie, <laughs> and but I mean, I could, I could, I understand why in a certain time he could definitely see this as the worst movie he's ever done. Even though I love it, <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain weight that he brings to the movie for sure. Uh, it, well, you know, it's funny because when I was watching the original film, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
the first thought I really had was you were like, like you know what this movie is missing? Mm-hmm. It's missing Dennis Hopper fighting <laughs> Leatherface in the chainsaw wielding battle. That's what it was missing, right? Well, I, that's what you thought. Close, close. <laughs> I, I was thinking, oh, this feels like a horror version of Easy Rider. Uh-huh. Dennis Hopper's Easy Rider, you know, is about a, a couple of hippie motorcyclists who ride across town and they get uh, attacked by local hillbillies. And there's a kind of final confrontation in that movie with a couple of you know, crazy looking hillbillies. So I thought maybe that's the, that was the selling selling point or that was the pitch. Like it's, it's been a while since I've seen easy rider, but thinking of easy rider, like looking back on the movie, all I can think about is just that giant, like, it felt like it was like a, maybe a 10, maybe 15 minute sequence, like towards the end of the film where they're all just tripping on acid. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, that's true. That was, I think that was in the beginning. Right. But it, it, or in the middle, well, right? I mean, maybe they did it twice, <laughs> but I think the selling point to this, to, to this project may, may have been like. You know, Dennis Hopper could get his payback because in this movie, he's hunting down the ultimate hillbilly inbreds, mm-hmm. but he never really gets it. He never really gets it. He kind of, there's a certain point in the movie where he kind of just totally disappears, you know, and he comes back at the end. I'm the Lord of the Harvest. Who's that? Some new health food bunch? Come on. Well, you know, give me your thoughts on, on Stretch, the kind of the main character here. Stretch? I mean, Stretch is fantastic. <laughs> it's a weird name, but Stretch is like, I think, what, probably the, the best final girl. Well, she's not really the final girl in this movie, but she's the best, like, uh, female protagonist of uh, any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I think even better than, uh, than Sally, even though Sally's iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had a lot of iconic moments, but I, I, I think Stretch is a great character. I came here because I thought I could help you. I DJ this dumb show on KO Club in Burke Burnett, but people listen to me all across North Texas. Now I could put you on the radio, get people to believe you, get you some help. You're gonna get in my way. Don't you get in my way. No, I am already right in the middle of this. This is my chance to stop playing headbanging music and do something real. And it should be noted that Stretch comes back for a brief cameo in, uh, and Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, and she's a news reporter by that point. Oh, it's the same character? I, I don't know. It's a quick cameo. <laughs> <laughs> same, Probably. Same, I same, hope so. It's the same actress. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what, what I really liked about this movie was that, you know, we got a lot of these kind of Texas-born actors, characters, rather, that really feel like it's from this underground or underbelly of of texas when people think about texas they think about maybe the conservative side of texas but there's you know in austin there's that slogan make austin or keep austin weird and this really feels like the weirdness of texas (laughs) yeah i mean there's the whole uh subplot in the movie of uh drayton sawyer and his uh chili uh award-winning chili and i mean that that we get a whole a whole big piece of Texas right there, and that and that and that introduction sequence did all of that. Yeah, when we get to the Texas Chili Cookout Contest, where Drayton Sawyer wins, and then Dra- <laughs> Drayton Sawyer is from the front, he's part of the the yeah with the, the original actor from the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre returning. Yeah, Jim Cedow, who's actually brilliant in this movie. I thought he was he hits the, he was pitch perfect. And two in this. completely different performances. Yeah, right? I mean, like he's actually really funny in this movie, but he's terrifying in the original <laughs> but he he hits the comedy with this movie here he hits the right note with the satire that i found it 
uh, oh shit, this guy is fantastic, and he's really only known for these two movies, right? I mean, <laughs> I know. And so, like you know, that scene where where they ask him, like he wins the chili contest, and they ask him, "What's your secret?" And he goes, "Oh, there's no secret. It's meat. Don't skim on the meat." This year, Drayton, you've got to tell the secret of that fabulously tasty chili. <laughs> no secret. It's the meat. Uh, don't skimp on the meat. Uh, I, I got a real good eye for prime meat. Mm. <laughs> Runs in the family. <laughs> whoop, whoop. It's one of those uh, hard-shell peppercorns. <laughs> I gotta say, I love this town. This town loves prime meat. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's like the one of the most funniest bit in the whole movie. It it, it truly is. It truly is, man. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a shame that he you know he didn't do like more movies because I mean he could do, he could do the horror, but like he's really damn good at comedy. It's a uh, it's it, yeah, it's a damn shame he didn't do more. And uh, he unfortunately uh, passed away in uh, in two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. But um, his legacy will be cherished in these two films forever. <laughs> Hand builds a, a good sturdy trade by hooking and crooking and kerfloy. The gods just kick him right in the balls. <laughs> Not this time. Let's talk about the addition of Bill Mosley as Chop Top. Yeah, he's supposed to be the brother of the hitchhiker from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, um, I think Bill Mosley is absolutely fantastic. And I think his, the performance he's giving actually kind of feels like he could be the brother of the hitchhiker from the first film. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, when I watched the movie for the first, the first time, I thought it was supposed to be the same character. I thought it was just being played by another actor. And um, yeah, Bill Mosley is, uh, I think incredible in this film. I, I think this is like one of his best performances and you can see why uh, in this movie specifically, why he's become Rob Zombie's go-to actor. You know what I mean, I didn't realize that his acting career uh, extended, you know, from from back in the '80s. I thought he really came out in the early 2000s, but um, yeah, it was a, a, a really fun uh, character, Top Shop, and the whole sequence where he's, t- you know, he they break into the radio sh- station, and they're it's him and Leatherface, and they're kind of dressed up as a hippie and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, wearing that wig cover, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about like his his like skull plate. I mean, that thing is just disgusting. He's always like peeling off the skin, like and, and eating it. Like that that's iconic. <laughs> Whoa! So this is Radio Land, huh? The Infinite Turtle, the the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. <laughs> Can't close that. Hi, I know what you're thinking. This is weird, huh? But I can handle it. <laughs> you know, you're my Fave. <laughs> Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. <laughs> Music is my life. That whole scene when they're when he's talking to Stretch and, and about you know like he wants a tour of the the record or the the radio station. It really reminded me of the type of kind of uh, horror comedy that Peter Jackson did with uh, his earlier films. It's kind of the same type of uh, tempo or or, or aesthetic or like type of comedy horror comedy that peter jackson did in his earlier films like brain dead like bad taste or even meet the feebles there was a certain kind of like goriness and also high camp 
that I think you there's could be a um, through line with, between these movies. Well, I think if this I think if this movie was a little tighter, it could it could definitely be you know on par with some of those films mm-hmm. with like the early Peter Jackson movies. Because I do agree. I mean, like, um, um, well, I never saw Peter Jackson's very very first one, but um, Brain Dead. I mean, Brain Dead's like fr- freaking uh, hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. the way that movie just like uh, kind of just all builds up it builds up to that just crazy all all that craziness happening in that house mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i mean this this could have been like that if it, if it were just a little a little tighter because it just feels like a little times like a, a few times throughout the movie like it's just kind of like going nowhere and but i think the big part of why the movie feels like that is just because of this because of the producers like chopping them uh, messing the movie up and just like removing uh you know uh dennis hopper storyline which is so crazy because why would you remove dennis hopper i mean he's such a big actor but <laughs> well it seems um, like they wanted more leatherface yeah. and that's why um they just and more wanted, of the sawyer family yeah yeah but you you wanted to talk about chop top yeah so i mean chop top i mean has become uh and i i think a, fa- a fan favorite uh texas chainsaw massacre character i think i mean for myself he's my favorite character in the franchise after leatherface mm-hmm but you know it's it's pretty it's kind of funny how he got cast in this movie because he was trying to actually um audition for snl oh right right he's trying to he had a short film called the texas chainsaw manicure yes yes (laughs) and he he was he was passing that around and like his uh his agent sent it to uh toby hooper and like Toby Hooper saw it and he was like, wow, if I, you know, if I ever make another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, I'm, I'm definitely going to call this guy up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just so funny how, how, how he ended up getting cast in this movie. <laughs> it's funny because Bill Mosley, he's probably the only one who's hundred percent into the character. Yeah. He's actually, he actually made like a short, an unreleased short film called all American massacre with like, which is a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two. And I think the whole thing is like I haven't, I haven't seen it. It's like unreleased, but I think the whole thing is like just him um, in like a court in a courtroom as Chop Top, this, like the, describing uh, some some undocumented massacre or something like that. I, <laughs> I, I, like I, he, the guy loves the character. The guy loves the character, and he's great at it. I mean, the you know that scene where he goes good night, and she in stretch goes good night, and he goes good night. Oh, oh good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's it's funny and it's creepy, and he he plays a really good creep, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's great throughout the whole movie, and then uh, and then the second half of the film, when you see him carrying around a dead body, that's supposed <laughs> to actually be the hitchhiker from the first film. It's supposed to be his brother, the twin brother, He's just carrying around the dead body of his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, and he's great with that body. He's dancing around with it and everything. <laughs> well, I really liked, you know, I really there's one really great jump scare that I really liked in the movie, which is when they're in the record room. Top Shop is saying, "What's in What's in this room?" He, he's asking Stretch, "What's in this room?" And she goes, "This is where we keep the records." And it's pitch black, and they turn on the lights, and then you see Leatherface with his chainsaw, smoking. It's all smoke, and he runs out. And I'm like, "Oh, that's a great, great moment of of, 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 of like a really good jump scare." Hey, what's in here? Record vault. 
Oh, where you keep the golden oldies? And, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe the new music's... <laughs> I thought I had a really fun time watching that. Again, this is in the first half of the movie where I, th- I think the first half of this movie is where it really is connecting with me. Not so in the second half. Well, you know, what's in, what's one of the kind of interesting things about the movie. Cause like, well, the first movie, the focus is on the, the Sawyer family on this whole kind of clan of like cannibalistic weirdos and, you know, Leatherface just ends up being kind of like the, the main showcase, like the one that sticks with you the most. But in this one, I'd say Leatherface is kind of like the one that sticks with you the least, <laughs> you know, like the Drayton Sawyer and, and Shop Top, I think are, are really the ones that leave that, uh, that lasting impression. <laughs> and, um, Leatherface, like, I mean, he, he, he's. He doesn't do that much in the movie. I mean, he we, I, we see him like use the chainsaw as a penis at one point. Well, yeah, let's talk about it because there, there's a really kind of, I guess this is a classic scene. <laughs> Leatherface is using his chainsaw like an extension of his own penis. And he's cutting through like the t- a tub of ice. The ice is spraying all over the place. You know, the chainsaw is penetrating the ice. It's, by the way, it's, it's in between Stretch's legs. There's a lot of phallic imagery here. I don't think you need to be Freud to understand what's going on here. It's pretty apparent that this is kind of like a, you know, masturbation scene or whatever you want to call it. It just, it is, it is weird, but is it, is it saying that Leatherface is a teenager now? Because in the original movie, he was kind of had the mentality of a, a young boy. And is he, are they saying like, he's now a little bit like a teenager. He's, he's going through puberty. <laughs> yeah. Or something like he has raging hormones. I, I think so. I think so. I hundred, I hundred percent. I, I feel that. I think that's what's going on, and maybe that's why he killed those yuppies in the beginning, right? Because <laughs> like in the movie, he, he kind of falls in love with Stretch, uh, and I guess they te- the family teases him about it. Yeah, yeah. Finish her now, Baba. Finish her. Give me Vance. Turn traitor for a piece of tail. You got one choice, boy. Sex or the saw. Sex is, well, nobody knows. But the saw, the saw is family. There is a lot of, like, sexual humor in this film, like, uh, which wasn't, there wasn't any in the first one. No. Um, no. It was, yeah. The first one was straight on, like, cautionary tale. Don't go poking in uh, corners where you know that there's going to be trouble. It's, like, kind of, like, you know, very straightforward horror film. It's more in it's more in the execution and stuff like that that makes it so. Yeah, um, and surprisingly, the, the original film was not gory, although there's you know major gory elements in the film, but there's no kind of blood. You know, there it's in, all implied. I mean, right from the opening, they let you know that this is not you know the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How you mentioned earlier, we we get the, the one of the kids or one of the guys in the beginning of the film get, gets half his face sawed off by Leatherface. And that's probably the most badass thing we see Leatherface doing the whole, in the whole movie. Because for the rest of the movie, like you said, he's kind of just uh, in love with Stretch. <laughs> yeah, one time, at one point, they they they're trying to force him to kill her. He can't do it. I, I it, it's it's an interesting direction to take the the movie, but I still 
I mean, this is still the best sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre we've ever gotten, man. Uh, like I said it before, I think the first half was really, really good. I think the second half, uh, you, you could see and feel like the rewrites and the production issues. And, and, and apparently there was an internal conflict with the producers and the filmmakers. So you could, I think you could feel that in, in, the, in that second half where it just, yeah. like you were saying, it drags, it drags. And it's, it's set in that one uh, location where it's an underground uh, carnival scene. Or, or a carnival, yeah, ground like a, this. It's a, I mean, it's a big kind of uh, set piece because there's like a bunch of hidden caves and tunnels, and there's different, you know, they're different locations, but it's all kind of set in one underground carnival where it's their hideout, and that's where they distribute their chili. <laughs> yeah, that's where they keep all the dead bodies. I guess you know, like Tom Savini you know legendary makeup artist he does a really good job i unfortunately i i don't think it really works as a whole movie but as a time capsule of a film it fits very well i mean i think this really reminds me of some of that late night 80s horror movies that you would see in late late cable or drive-in horror movies i mean it really feels oh yeah of its time and i mean and those are a lot of the type of movies that uh Toby Hooper ended up making after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, um, I, like, like Eaten Alive or like, I guess Life Force and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's just kind of always just made these like, um, kind of corny movies and stuff. But, but, but the ones that really, you know, managed to stick out is that original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and, and Poltergeist. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Toby Hooper will, will probably mostly be remembered as the guy who directed the Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist. Uh, and I think Cole. In this one right here at three. In this one at three. No. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, it, it, you uh, know. Life Force? Uh, I don't know about Life Force. Actually, I didn't Why? really. Why? Come on. <laughs> I haven't really seen all of it. Well, for anybody that hasn't seen it, I highly recommend um, Body Bags, which is an anthology film he did with John Carpenter. Uh, they, I think they directed like three shorts total. Toby Hooper, I think, did oh, just one of them. But that's a fun horror film. Very, very campy. Very funny. Um, yeah. Body Bags, 1993. I think why, why, the reason why I didn't like the second half of the movie, because the movie or the story feels like it got stuck. The momentum got stuck and it, it, it kind of repeats itself. It basically repeats the final act of the original film. You know, we see Stretch, she is held uh, hostage. Uh, she yeah, is. Yeah, for the, another family dinner. Yeah, she attends a family dinner with these hillbilly cannibals. They do a family dinner in like every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, you know, she tries to escape again. And, and, and that's like, we kind of seen that before. And it, 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 I don't know, it didn't really feel original when I was watching this movie. Hey, Grandpa, here's the big boy. Uh, look what Bubba brought you. <laughs> hey, Grandpa, Bubba's got something to show you here. Look, a slurpy booty. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say that, that that this was done with a bigger and more elaborate production designs, and that's I guess that's something new. Um, and, I, and what I liked about the production designs is that it had echoes of uh, Mad Max, Road Warrior. A lot of it looked kind of like that, you know, kind of this dystopian kind of uh, post-apocalyptic design. At one point, we see there's like kind of a homage to. Uh, what was the Stanley Kubrick? Um, th- there was a, a an homage to uh, Doctor Strangelove with uh, s- Slim Pickens at, at the uh, atomic bomb when he's writing an atomic bomb. 
All right. <laughs> could see uh, like a, a skeleton with a, on top of a atomic bomb with a cowboy hat. And I go, oh, that's uh, that's got to be Slim Pickens. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I never picked up on that. I guess you know. I guess you could say the the addition of Dennis Hopper is something is new. That was makes the, this movie different. But God only knows why he spends the most entire final hour kind of stuck underground, going ape shit with his chainsaw because he finds <laughs> he finds this kind of lair, this underground lair. And remember, he's looking for his you know the the murderer of his you know of his his uh, nephew of his family of his family member franklin and and goes completely apeshit he goes crazy he, he cut, he's cutting down the wood foundation and he wants to bring the whole thing down bring it all down bring it all down bury the devil may the lord have mercy on our soul and he kind of disappears after that like you know like he cuts down a couple <laughs> of wood planks and he kind of disappears for like for thirty minutes. Because that that's when that's when the studio starts to cut out his storyline. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess originally it's supposed to be revealed that he's also the 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 father of Stretch, but I they just cut out of that all all of that out of the movie. So I imagine they would they probably had a scene after all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they just <laughs> yeah, cut it out. They must have a, yeah. They must have a scene with him in Stretch because they're both stuck underground. Yeah, so he comes out, you know, like at the yeah, end. I hope those scenes get released someday. <laughs> I don't know if they ever filmed it, because remember they were kind of rewriting the oh, script. Oh, you might be right. Yeah, up until the end, up to up to the end of the shoot. Yeah, I mean, at the end he comes out and he kind of saves Stretch Lefty, which is his character. He has this major battle with Letterface. So yeah. the, the 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 person who left left standing is Stretch, and she, she, I will say, the ending shot of this movie is pretty cool. You know, uh, Stretch is on top of this kind of hill, this like cave, top of this cave mountain thing. She has. It reminds uh, me a lot of like the the third act of the Flintstones movie. It's a nice shot. I mean, she comes out, she has the chainsaw, she's doing the dance, the iconic dance, and then they pull, yeah. they kind of pull out. <laughs> It's kind of, it feels like Mad Max to me. It feels like some, something that we would have saw, saw in Roadrunner or Road Warrior. And, um, and in Roadrunner cartoons as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, it feels, it feels like those, what, you know, this movie belongs with those type of movies, those 80s drive-in horror movies that, that came out around the same time. But I don't know if I really kind of enjoyed the whole thing. Oh, I love it, <laughs> but I get it because I get it. Cause like I said earlier, I, I hated this movie when I first watched it. it. It really had to grow on me over time. And the big part of the reason why it did grow on me over time is because I saw the rest of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies and uh, just seeing how awful some of these movies in the franchise have gone over the years, you know, seeing how bad some of them are it made me really, really love this movie uh, a lot more the next time I revisited it. And I just keep going back to it like every couple of years. It's fun. <laughs> it's a fun movie it does drag a little bit in the third act i think i can just overlook it though because i know that it had some a lot of production trouble 
And I know that like a lot of, you know, 80s movies, like, you know, I, well, I've seen a lot of like, you know, kind of like drive-in movies because I'd like to buy a lot of the Blu-rays released by like Vinegar Syndrome and like, <laughs> and like uh, a Severin and all these like kind of like, you know, weird boutique Blu-ray companies. And uh, so I've seen a lot of weird like horror movies and seeing all of those weird horror movies also makes me appreciate this one also because it's, it's not bad in comparison to a lot of movies that were coming out at this time. A lot of horror movies that were coming out at this time. Well, I would say this. I think I was very surprised with the soundtrack. Uh, it's a pretty decent soundtrack that features, you know, some really cool 80s rockabilly, kind of horror rockabilly. I was really surprised at how well they use that music. And, you know, nothing that's like mainstream, nothing mainstream. It's kind of like it's all uh, from the IRS records, the label, that record label, which was big in the 80s. You know, you got the Crams or the Cramps, Oigo Boingo and Concrete Blondes and others. And it, you know, IRS Records was a pretty big independent label at the at the time. It kind of died off in the nineties. And um, but I, I remember IRS. Uh, it had a really great logo. It had a a guy with a fedora hat and sunglasses, kind of uh, K Rock. If you listen, if you're from uh, Southern California, it's like K Rock in the eighties. All that soundtrack was great. So I was surprised at because you don't you you wouldn't took you back took me back, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't have guessed that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 would have a great soundtrack, you know. Uh, well, the one that's going to be, uh, you know, uh, go for the humor and have that John Hughes influence, <laughs> I think will, though, right? <laughs> well, I guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the first half of the movie was really good. I love that they, they used all the kind of the weird aspects of Texas. Uh, the whole kind of beginning reminded me of Alex Cox, uh, Repo Man, kind of like these weird really? characters. Oh. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of these weird characters. And, you know, in that case, it was L.A. But, you know, like the weird characters, it's like the, not the normal. It's not the mainstream characters you would see in movies. It's like the, those other side characters. So there's some really good elements in this movie. But um, unfortunately, that's just the second half just really falls flat for me. But you got great performances throughout <laughs> that second half. Come on. Even, even it keeps it entertaining. It keeps it fun. It's a fun horror movie a, to have on if you want to laugh. Yeah. Watching Dennis Hopper cutting from his face and then cutting from a stuntman. <laughs> this is fun. There's, there's like, there's really kind of funny moments in it like that. Like strange kind of moments where, you know, uh, just, just Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. And there's actually, there's a really funny kind of Hitchcocky and cameo by to Toby Hooper in the beginning. He, he shows up for half a second in a hotel scene where he's walking through and he gets pelted by ice and you know, he's, he, <laughs> someone throws ice on his back and he turns around and he gets, he has his look like, what the hell? And he throws a Dr. Pepper can at the guy. And I guess he, uh, Toby yeah. Hooper at the time was known for drinking a lot of Dr. Pepper. So I guess that's an inside joke <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so I mean, there's, there's fun things about this movie, but it's, it's an okay movie. I think, I think for, for our first film for a second chance cinema episode, um, I'll, I'll say this, give it a, ch a second chance. I think people will like it more now. At, certainly after all the other sequels and certainly after all kind of these horror remakes and requels, I think people will appreciate for what this movie is. It's kind of like a time capsule. It's something that's stuck in amber is very much a part of that 1986 spirit of drive-in horror movies for our first second chance cinema episode. I'll say, give it a, a second chance. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I mean, it's definitely no masterpiece or like instant, like classic, like the original, but I think it has kind of become a cult classic over time. Um, 
I I really hated this film, like I've I've mentioned a few times, <laughs> but I, I I I I adore it now. It's just I find it so endlessly entertaining because of the performances. I mean, the, it's a movie where like there's there's a lot of stuff going on in in the first half, and I'd say maybe not maybe even a bit more in the first half, like the first two thirds. But once you get to that third act, it does drag, but the performances save it because you do have Bill Mosley running around the whole movie. You got uh uh. I, I forgot. I forgot the actor that plays uh, Drayton Sawyer, but yeah, you, you have him running around as well, going full loony in the third act, and it's a lot of fun. Okay, so you say give yeah. it a second chance as well? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right. So that was it for this special episode of Inside Flicks. Uh, hopefully, we'll come back with some other old movies. See if they give our second chance uh, treatment. All right, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. You could, if you want to hear our past episodes, you could go to InsightFlicks.com. Or if you want to see our YouTube uh, content, go to YouTube and search Inside Flicks. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Until next time, bye bye.